Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Forgotten Football Clubs, the podcast. My name is Rory Bryce. I'm your host once again for this evening, and I'm joined again by the author, Phil O'Rourke. How's it going, Phil? What's up, Rory? Good to be here once again. Good. Glad to hear it. And we're joined by another very special guest this evening. Um, we're joined all the way from across the pond, Stephen Brandt. Stephen, how are you? Oh, I'm not bad, guys. It's actually it's actually fun to be on a pod that I'm not hosting. So excellent. I'm I'm glad to hear it. Is it obviously? Thank you very much for coming on. I mean, um, I know it's it's a little bit earlier where you are than than for us. Is it Providence you're based in, Stephen? No, I'm in Buffalo, New York. Buffalo, New York. Okay, yeah, just because you said you had the the Providence City shirt on, so was just asking. So, um, we've all got a different football jersey on this evening. Stephen is wearing um Providence City. Phil is wearing his Wanderers FC shirt, and I suppose this is a good introduction to the team we're going to be talking about today. I am wearing my two thousand and five Shiva USA away shirt, which was kindly delivered to me this morning. So. That's what we're going to be discussing today. Shiva USA were a team who were in the MLS that only existed for around 10 years. And they were an offshoot of the Mexican club, CD Guadalajara. I've probably butchered that as Here always. We go again. <laughs> Quite a shot. Um, but before we get on to any of that, guys, how are we tonight? How are we doing? How have your weeks been? Yeah, not, I mean, not bad. Yeah, yeah, mine, mine's been good as well. Um, I mean, just watch football, the Champions League semi final, and um, both of them. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the football season coming to a close. Well, the 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 major one, I suppose. The MLS is still going on, so we'll we'll keep an eye on that. Mm. Yeah, I suppose it largely been the same. Obviously, um, old firm last weekend, last Saturday, but I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, probably yourself, Stephen, been watching many games. So, uh, do you follow an MLS team? Um, I kind of got out of it during the lockdowns because they were all in specific bubbles, lack of a better purpose. And the problem is, I live in Buffalo, New York, so most of the teams I like to follow outside of the American sports are not in town. So. I've always had the ability to either – I mean, up until about maybe a couple of years ago, it was really dodgy um, internet streams from, like, Romania when I'm even in the country. So um, the problem with MLS is that they took all of the local broadcasters and got rid of them for a centralized one. And I knew a bunch of the, the um, MLS guys quite well. And it, it's just aggravating right now. So, I mean, I'll listen to pretty much anything. I've got friends that um, are have done the Spurs group for St. Louis FC, St. Louis City FC. I've been to Columbus, Toronto. I've been to Toronto more than once. Because, I mean, I'm literally... I can I can smell Canada from my back window. I'm that close. <laughs> um, I've been I've been to Kansas City. 
I, I was at Red Bull Arena. It's, I mean, you could burp and it would echo in that place because there's like no one that ever goes. So that's uh, that's that's Red Bull for you. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe with the exception of uh, Salzburg and well, Salzburg and Leipzig, I suppose, are the, the two biggest, and they're obviously going to fill out. But that's what happens yeah. when franchises get involved in football. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I suppose that's going to be part of what we're talking about today as well as the the MLS in general, um, the broadcasting. And everything just surrounding, uh, I don't want to say, I can't say football in America, of course, soccer in America, as it's known over there. But we'll start off with the story of Shiva USA, since that was one of the, the clubs that Phil obviously wrote about in the book. Full name is Club Deportivo Shiva USA. And as I said, they are an offshoot of a Mexican club. Um, Phil, why don't you start us off and then Stephen can jump in once you've given us a little introduction about the team. Yeah, so Shivas USA, uh, a club that I picked because they were one of the more modern sides. In fact, they're the last club to kind of uh, be known as a forgotten football club uh, from the MLS. Um, the MLS has only seen three clubs, as as we discussed before, when we done the Atlanta Chiefs uh, one. Um, now, Atlanta Chiefs weren't an MLS club, so if we go back just, uh, just quite quickly, uh, the NA... SL were around that that was this you know disenfranchised or dissolved itself as a league the MLS then came along there's only been three clubs that have dissolved out of the MLS Chivas USA are the last ones to do so and um, they were founded or they went into the league in 2004 and like you said uh, Rory they were uh, basically the little brother of the parent club uh, CD Guadalajara I think I pronounced that right um, and basically they're one of the, they're one of the most Supported clubs in Mexico. They're quite a big club in Mexico. Um, Chivas USA were based in Los Angeles, uh, Carson, California. Um, so not too far away from Mexico. Um, they went into the MLS with you know high hopes, like like every club did. Um, and basically they shared the sta- same stadium as LA Galaxy. So. You can imagine both clubs, LA Galaxy, Shivas USA, have high hopes. But as we know, LA Galaxy have gone on to better things. I've probably had the better players join them, like you know, like so David Beckham, who really kind of catapulted LA Galaxy's fame. Um, Robbie Keane from Ireland, of course. I think Zlatan Ibrahimovic had a spell at LA Galaxy. Um, Gareth Bale did not play for LA Galaxy; he played for LAFC. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean. It lasted 10 years, like you said, Rory. They, they, it was a, one of the more short-lived ones. Uh, they basically ceased operations in 2014 uh, after the regular season, as it's called over there. Um, and as I said, they were the last club uh, two-fold out of the MLS. Yeah, you've summed it up perfectly there. Um, I don't think there's anything in terms of the, the, the story of... Well, no, the story of them in terms of the history and the facts of them that, that we can really add upon. Stephen... Do you want to add just a bit about what Phil said? Did you, did you have any, I suppose, experiences of seeing Shiva USA? Did you manage to get to any of their games or even see your own team play them at any point? Well, the last time I was out in LA, we didn't even have a league. So, and that was 1989. I mean, it's not, it's one of the things people don't really truly get about the United States is a house. For us to get, for me and Buffalo to get out to LA, it was be like for you, for um, people in Ireland to get to um, Morocco, basically, it's not it's not cheap. But I mean, it's fun if you get in a bus and just drive out there. Um, 
there were some players that came through there. Juan Pablo Angel was there for a bit. <laughs> this was the part. This was the part of MLS after the after um, two thousand one, where Don Garber contracted the two teams in um, Florida, where they were trying to get foreign teams to have their hands in. MLS to get some money in there because the problem with the old NASL was that it got too big too fast and too many people that didn't know the sport tried to pump money into it. And that's what they were afraid of. When Barber took over in 2001 as commissioner, the, the league was basically bankrupt. So he had, they had to put, they had to get, mega donors in here to get the team started um the problem with chivas was is that in la you're not going to have one team and it's like in glasgow how many teams in glasgow are there bunch um yeah i mean in the top flight or sorry not the top flight in the spfl which is the top four leagues in scotland You've got Celtic, Rangers, Partick Thistle in Queen's Park. That's just within Glasgow city centre, if you like. Yeah. Not the city centre, but within the immediacy of Glasgow. But if you go lower down, then there's literally hundreds. So, yeah. Yeah, and Vale of Levin was there in, God, the 18... 18- I mean, I know they're still around in some form, but they're not the same old. So, that was a real... It was a real slight for... Los Angeles to do that. And also it was um the owner of um Guadalajara Chivas Guadalajara wanted to have an only Mexican type roster, which would have been fine. I mean, the some of the offshoots of players that have come out of there. I mean, Hugo Torres came out of there in that in that generation. I mean, he's come he's rounded next to nothing, but I mean, football is lit, littered with players that have come through and supposed to be the next greatest thing and ended up being nothing. I mean, we didn't, we didn't need an idea for that over here. We had, but um, Los Angeles is like um, London in a way is that there's too much going on. And at that point you had the LA Lakers really hitting Big as far as Kobe was still there. You had Phil Jackson. I just read Phil Jackson's book. It was freaking hilarious. But um, so there was a lot of things to not focus on. Plus, you've got you've got all of the. It's a nice city to go to, so you weren't going to get many people to go in to do it. And going into Carson, you can't get you can't park anywhere near it. So you got to get on the buses. The busing system's old and is old and underfunded. So it fell apart. And Americans, God forbid, I mean, we have got the glory hunter stereotype on us, and most of most of it's rightfully so. I mean, you see us over here opining over Wex Wrexham right now when I mean you could you could point up you can point up how how many other Americans are owning. Teams. I mean, my third book is on Crystal Palace, and there's Americans in that team, but no, we won't do that. So that was part of the problem. Plus, they really didn't play. They would go through coaches like Real Madrid and, or Inter does. I mean, it was 
One it was one run after another, and you need consistency in the sport. Yeah, you, you've made a lot of really really good points there, and and we're we're gonna go through them all bit by bit, I suppose. Um, firstly, I guess what you said in terms of the NASL and how the leagues kind of became bankrupt around that era. I think Phil will agree with me. It doesn't sound too dissimilar to what happened in Australia when we've covered teams around this era as well. Um, with the with Northwestern Sydney Spirit FC, which we covered a couple of weeks ago as well, and the leagues kind of went through something quite similar, where you had loads of teams being founded, but you didn't necessarily have the supporters to come and see those teams. And on top of that, a lot of the teams were actually founded because people just wanted them to be franchises. And if you're going in to make a sports team of any kind with that mindset, then chances are you're not going to succeed. You might eventually, but the chances are you're not. So that's a really, really interesting point. And I think there are quite a lot of similarities between uh, Australian football and American soccer <laughs> as well um, when it comes to that side of things. And as well, I, I just actually wanted to touch on, you mentioned the the owner of um, of Cedar Guadalajara. Uh, it was a gentleman's name was, it was a George Vergara. Is that right? Oh, yes. He's not well thought of. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. So he wanted to make basically a team in the United States where he would bring Mexican players either to develop or to grow or just to move on from there. Kind of like almost not a feeder club, but maybe like a partner club. Is that right? Well, yeah, but that's that's ideally what MLS should be, to be honest with you. I mean, you don't need to bring over every um, broken down old player from Europe to come over here. I mean, I mean, Chicharito's over here, and what have we heard? I mean, he's not broken down or old. He's just fat and partying in um, L.A. I mean, you should be able to, in Central and Latin America, bring up young players, get them good, and then reap the benefits off of the transfer budget. I mean, that, I mean, that's it. And he had the right idea. Because, I mean, if you don't have a player quota overseas, you get a young player from Latin America, you'll, it will keep growing from there. Yeah, yeah, Stephen, just on that, uh, in my research with uh, Shivas USA, that did pop up that he, he there was contentious issues that he just wanted um, Mexican players and, and a kind of Mexican um just just basically make it kind of Mexican in, in the USA. Was the plan as well to kind of get the Mexican community? Obviously, there's a big uh, Mexican community in uh, LA. Um, was the plan to get them on side to kind of uh, support the club, the ones that maybe couldn't support football down in Mexico because they were up in LA, to give them something to kind of cheer about? Because we've seen that happen in, like Rory said, in Australia, where migrants uh, have made football clubs uh, over in Australia, and Australian football or soccer kind of became that, uh, where clubs became real kind of like, uh, so it would be Croatian clubs, so it would be uh, Irish clubs, so it would be Italian clubs. Um, was this the kind of thought as well with Shivas USA? Because that's what I kind of got from it. Well, yeah, but you also got to realize how close Mexico is to LA. I mean, it, I'm not going to quite say it was it's walking distance, but it's not even that much of a day trip. So I've, I, did it, I did it in the 80s with my uh, family. God, I'm old. Um, is that, that but you're not going to be able to split a Mexican crowd or any type of crowd. Imagine going to Boston right now, which is mostly Irish, 
and plopping down a um, sell tip right there and saying that that's all you're going to watch. Now, how many Irish people are Celtic fans? But not some, but you've got other teams there. So you sectioned off what you could follow. And at that point, what people don't realize when you look at it overseas, now you guys have TV and um, rights fees a lot different than what we have. At that time, we were only getting very little amount of games overseas and in Mexico. We had Telemundo, we had Univision, but it was not like, hey, let's watch everything. We weren't at that yet. That doesn't come around until um, Beckham retires. So, like, right now, I could be sitting here talking to you with Belgium up on my computer and having another one out with watching Croatia because I could get everything. At that time, it wasn't. So you you had the enclaves of Mexicans that were watch the other teams, too. Why? Why bring a team up here where that's unless they're internationally known, why do it? So in, in that regard, Stephen, would you say that they kind of alienated the other fans that they could have got uh, at the time, basically? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's exactly what they did. And it's the same thing when um with Atletico in, in Ottawa and um the team that went into Oklahoma City about 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah, so I suppose it's it's quite interesting, and I mean, you look at the historical founding of a lot of football teams in Scotland. Anyway, obviously that's one of my not areas of expertise, but you know, I'm interested in it. Um, then a lot of the teams will found because there's either a need for it, there's a demand, or there's a community behind them who want them to do it and who can make it successful. Now, the teams that didn't last very long, and the teams that didn't survive it was mainly because either bigger teams came up within the communities, the community left them or they didn't really found for any particular cause. You know, you had loads of teams founded out of the back of cricket clubs and stuff that, that were around for 10 years or so. And then the ones that ended up going later on were for different reasons. And I understand that with the growth of football into the modern age and, you know, uh, the 1900s and stuff like that, there can be different reasons for that. But I do, I, I, I see where you're coming from. You know, if, if you're founding a team in LA, and you're wanting to get, you know, the kind of Mexican diaspora, if you like, to watch you and start following you, you're going to need to try and pry them away from the teams that they already follow, because presumably they would have already picked a team and they maybe didn't feel the need to follow Shiva USA. Would that seem, does that seem fair, Stephen? Well, what, what has always made LA Galaxy go as much is that they've always had the star players. I mean, they had Landon Donovan, they had... um. They had Alexi. They had the star players. L.A. is not somewhere where you can develop and have um, an underdog team. That just does not happen there. That's over many, many sports and many, many generations. I mean, look at the old L.A. Aztecs. I mean, once they got rid of Rife, Best, and Rinish Michaels, they fell apart. So you have to have the top players. And if you're going to go in there and not bring in like a Hugo Sanchez – or big names, forget it. It's not going to work. It's LA a, is a vapid city. Yeah, it's literally like the Hollywood story. You need that star. You need that yeah. uh, big name. Yeah, that, that's what I kind of got with uh, Fivas USA. Well, they had some decent players uh, who, I, who I wrote about in the book. They had no standout player that somebody, even in 
Europe that like you know that would attract people in Europe or around the world to kind of go oh oh he's over there and um, whereas LA Galaxy went about it you know look they brought Beckham in and that kind of as I said that catapulted LA Galaxy and the MLS and to be fair um into a kind of different uh, level altogether um Shibas USA um you're you're saying that um you know it's quite hard in LA to to kind of uh, support more than one team. LAFC have qu- appeared uh, more recently there, Stephen, and they've done quite well. I mean, they brought the star over, um, uh, Garrett Bale, of course. Uh, have they gone about the same way as LA Galaxy? Then are they kind of following the same uh way as LA Galaxy and kind of looking at Shivas USA and saying, right, well, we're not going to do it that way. Well, you couldn't do it the same way again. Now, also, they've had the added advantage is that the LA Galaxy, since Robbie Keane Keane and Landon Donovan have left, have just completely thrown up on themselves out there. I mean, yes, they had Zlatan here, but Zlatan was only going to play for six months, maybe a year at the most. I mean, yeah, he's still, I think, part of AC Milan. I have no idea with him. But he's like, what? 40 at the most. So you were, you, they didn't put anything behind them. Now, I mean, they have Ricky Pugh here. So the, the LAFC coming in being the bright thing made it easier because there isn't an LA Galaxy to play right there off of it where they're good. Now, the El Traficos have been pretty decent. But, I mean, you need – the LA Galaxy needs to get their crap in gear really quick because they're bleeding fans. Oh, oh really? Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, from a European point of view, LA Galaxy for me would be – like the, here in, in Ireland, for example, in, in shops, um, because of Robbie Keane, of course uh, – they actually sell LA Galaxy jerseys here in, uh, you know, in, in retail, uh, sports retail shops. Uh, they'd sell LA Galaxy jerseys before they'd actually sell League of Ireland jerseys in these shops, mm-hmm. um, simply because of Robbie Keane. To be honest, like, I, I follow the MLS. LA Galaxy, yeah, I mean, they haven't really had a star name since Zlatan. Um, Zlatan's still playing with AC Milan, by the way. Uh, he's out with a knee injury uh, at 41. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so is there a bit of a... A bit of a swing now to LAFC. Are they the ones now that are kind of taking over the mantle? Just before, yeah, you, I mean, because they won it last time. I just wanted to add as well from what you were saying there, Phil. Um, I mean, it was maybe the Beckham effect, and obviously, uh, because I, I sort of grew up in the the early to mid two thousands with football. Um, LA Galaxy were the very first team from the United States that I can remember hearing about, and I think because of that, I associate them as being the big team if you like, or being one of the big teams in America. And I think a lot of people, obviously blanket statement, you know, I'm generalizing. I think a lot of people that are my age would see that as the same, unless they're really into American soccer and always have been. Because at the time, I remember there being LA Galaxy. And outside of that, it was just the teams that were listed on FIFA, to be completely honest. And even then, I can't even remember who it was. So I think it's important that, obviously our perception of how it is may be quite different, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you answer Phil's question now, Stephen. So I just wanted to jump in there. I thought that was, um, that was quite interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing for over here. I mean, I mean, 90% of the teams that I know of are through FIFA and football manager. I mean, that to be blunt, I mean, 
that I mean, that's how I started writing my first book in my well, my last, my next six, basically, to be fair. But um, it's going to take a while. I um, LA Galaxy's got to get their stuff in gear, right? I, but it's cyclical. You don't. MLS is not like League of Ireland or Championship or the SPL, where you can have a run of. You can have a dynasty. I mean, in the early days in MLS, the team is the DC is DC United. I mean, it was they were so good. In fact, that one of the many stops Ian Rush had, they talked to him to bring him over here, and his that and he would he would have torn the lead league up in the late nineties easily. and that's and that's what they have to do. The problem is L.A. keeps going after the older players. They, I'm sure they did try to go after Cristiano Ronaldo. I'm sure they did go after Messi. And they will go after Mbappe. That's what they'll do. I mean, look at what Atlanta United did. They took a whole bunch of players out of Argentina and won in their third year. Yeah, it, it seems like L.A. Galaxy just, again, from the outset, seems like they're a bit of – a Real Madrid or the MLS, as in they go after the kind of Galactico signing, they, they go after the, the big name uh, rather than actually like building a team up. They're kind of like a quick fix. We'll get him in. He'll do it for two, three seasons. Uh, we'll win a few cups uh, or leagues um, and then we'll just go again. A bit like Real Madrid. Real Madrid, well, they, they've developed, I, I suppose they have uh, a few decent young players that they've developed now. Basically, are just known for going out and buying the best players. Um, that's what that that's, that's what the perception of LA Galaxy to me is from the outset. But it's interesting to hear uh, your thoughts on it. Would that be would that be fair to say that that that's what they kind of do? Well, that 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 was the that was the point because what 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 MLS wanted was their um Real Madrid, Barcelona's, Man United, Arsenal's. I mean it. Had the academy wing and the international wing of Celtic been smarter, and I've talked to them on this a number of times, they could have had their own team over here. They could have been one of those funding funding the teams over here because Bayern Munich basically takes the academy from FC Dallas and brings them over every year. So, I mean, it's... LA Galaxy wanted to be the Galacticos. The problem is the Galacticos they kept bringing over were about 10 years past what Real Madrid would do. Because, and I do not like saying anything about good about Real Madrid, but what they do is they get them early and then they get rid of them as quickly as possible. I mean, as soon as um, Real Ronaldo's knees went out, he was gone. As soon as Michael Owens went Owen wanted to go back. He was gone. They don't keep him around for sentimental value. You want you're gone. It's uh, it's it's part of the ruthlessness of football, isn't it? And it's some of it is that I suppose player trade model, if you want to call it that. Uh, but it is ruthlessness as well. And and as you say, there's no sentimentality. And obviously, I'm never going to become a football manager. Let's be honest, right? Uh, I think that ship has sailed for me. I've always said whenever I'm playing football manager, of course. There's no room for sentimentality, and it is something that I do kind of agree with. If you want to run a team successfully, then that is something that you need to stick to. 
just before we come back on to, to Shiva USA a little bit, and we've, we've discussed MLS, I just wanted to come back to a point that you made a moment ago, Stephen. Obviously, you said uh, the, the MLS is different to other leagues, uh, particularly in Europe, where you can't really have a dynasty or you can't really have a one-club league with one team splitting them or one team coming up every so often. Would you say that that's... That's because of the the amount of money that's put into the MLS and because of the franchise side, side of things. Do you or do you think there's other reasons? Do you think it's the the competitiveness of the teams, or do you think it's from a top down level? I just wanted to know your thoughts on that before we go back on to Shiva. Oh, there's not enough points in the day for me to get into what the problem is with that. Trust me, I've got <laughs> I've got twelve years of podcasts online to point point out why MLS is bad. Okay, rough, roughly to give you the the Spark Notes version of it. What MLS is is it's essentially owned league where all the where all of the the teams are owned, but they're operated by the home office. So the leg structure. I mean, think about it this way: um, What would Chelsea do if they could only sign four? They could only have three top players. That's it. It may end up being successful for a start, but that's just my own view. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I'm I'm not a I'm not a Chelsea fan. There there's a really bad picture on MySpace of like almost 20 years ago of me in a um, Chelsea jersey. But I'm glad I'm glad Aston Kutcher didn't kick my old icon on back on. But um, roughly the the league system has it set up in such a way where the league wasn't going to go bankrupt post 2004. There are roster rules, discovery claims international spots, a draft, free agency. Oh, I could get into it. There is no league system. There is no pyramid. Um, You don't, like, what would really get this league going is that what it, LA Galaxy's bad at one year and they have to fight off relegation. What if um, Louisville City FC can come up and get that, parachute payment that what is that a hundred billion dollar to go up into epl i mean what if you could do that i mean there's no intent for any of these teams to do that well they they're going to make money somewhat yeah again really really good point and and i completely agree with with everything they said it's a, a, a total mix of different issues about it and I think, as Phil said at the start, you know, the MLS is growing. I think we just said to each other off air, actually, the MLS is obviously growing the last decade or so. It's really growing, especially over here. And it's going to continue to grow. That's just the way it is. But in some ways, it almost feels like it's still finding its feet with some things. Maybe not in terms of its growth or in terms of the teams that are established. But to me, anyway, and again, this is just my perspective, it's always seemed like it's teetering very, very, I don't know, Phil, would you agree? Yeah, I think, I think, like, I mean, we're going to go on to Shivas USA, and the main point is, is that they're the last club to go bust out of the MLS, and that was 2014. So they have to be doing something right over there because clubs aren't aren't going bust. Um, only three clubs since the MLS has formed have gone bust, and that was uh, Tampa Bay, Shivas USA, and Miami. Um, fusion. So there has to be something right there, uh, Stephen. Can I ask, um, okay, so you've told us a lot of things that have gone wrong with the MLS or that is wrong with the MLS. Would you would you agree in that regard that, you know, while it mightn't be 
you know, there mightn't be a dynasty or they mightn't be getting the money or, or whatever, that there is a kind of um stability about it now? Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm a, I, I think within the... I don't think they expected to expand and be this good this fast. I thought... I think they were trying to put, slow roll it out like a lot of the league... a lot of the other leagues were because most of um home office and MLS came from the NFL. So it's, it was slow roll. I think they were surprised with how quickly post-2014 the league exploded around the world. You're seeing people, you're seeing players get transferred out of here for massive amounts of money. Stuff that they never thought they would see. I mean, they they basically had to swallow 99% of Beckham's contract to get him over here. Now you have team, you have players coming to looking at MLS as a stopping point to go overseas. You could take some of the players from like Uruguay, from Latin America, finish them here, and then get them overseas. As far as having great enough talent, I think within the next 10 years, you're going to have to take all the roster and all the rules off the league. It's doing really, really well. I'm very happy to see that it is. Now, likewise for us, I have I've bought tickets for four games for me and my father, and I've always worked in kind of low blue collar type of jobs. Very reasonable. I have within I have bought tickets in three big markets for the equivalent of about a hundred dollars total for two people. That's light years less than anything else. Now, I live in Buffalo, New York. I can walk down the street to an NHL game. I can get on the bus to the Buffalo Bills, and it's going to be three times more expensive. I can jump the border to Toronto and go see the um, baseball team, and it would be reasonable, but it's nowhere near as good as um, MLS is. Yeah, that, that's interesting. So it seems to have really cornered the market in terms of affordability for, for tickets as well. So yeah. it's accessible, which is good as well. Obviously, relatively speaking, and you know, you, you do also need to take in currency conversion, I suppose, into account. But um, for myself, that would still seem quite steep. Uh, I think the most I've seen Celtic charge for an SPFL fixture was about £35, which I still think is quite expensive. But obviously, the standard of the league is different. The way the leagues are set up are different and the way the teams that do things yeah. are different. So that, that's an entire conversation altogether. But I just want to come back to, to, to Shiva USA a little bit just before we, we go even more off topic because we could talk all night about this and I know we, we are meant to talk about the MLS. But just to bring it back to them a little bit, quite well, about 10 or 15 minutes or so ago, we mentioned uh, some of the players that were coming through and some of the players that perhaps LA Galaxy had compared to who Shiva had. But obviously, Shiva didn't have any players to the the extent that Galaxy did in terms of stature, in terms of reputation, and maybe even in terms of skill as well. But they did still have some quite successful players. And I'm right in saying that some of the, 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 the playing staff and the coaching staff actually won a few uh, yearly awards. Is that right? I think one of them was uh, was Brad, Brad Guzan, is it the goalkeeper? Um, but yeah, Brad Guzan was not a naturally. Uh, Brad Guzan was a. Um, I think he w- came through in Europe and came back over here. Um, that's the thing with 
that's the thing that at that time MLS didn't have is they weren't developing as well. I mean, the the uh, the classic case is the fourteen year old, yeah, fourteen year old Freddie Adu. There's no way in hell that one. Would, I mean, Freddie Adu is still young enough to be playing. He hasn't played in five years. So I mean, yeah, there were some players. I mean, Sasha Kleishin came through. He was a defender on the U.S. national team. Um, Brad Guzan was just was in many World Cups for um, U.S. I mean, he just wasn't at, he wasn't at Qatar because he um, had a bad injury. And plus, there's Matt um, Turner just blew everybody's mind out of the water with how well he was playing. So I mean, they did have some. But if you do a if you do a starting a a great eleven of what the galaxy has, it was night and day better, night and day. Yeah, I suppose that's the thing as well. It's it's going to be it's going to be relative. Obviously, galaxy yeah. have been around for a lot longer than 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 Shiva were, yeah. um, I should say. But they still had a they still had a little bit of success. So, and I think that's I think that's one of the reasons that Phil actually wanted to touch on them is that for being a new club. You know, a lot of the clubs that Phil wrote about in the book and a lot of the clubs we end up speaking about, there's always some issue surrounding them, whether it's growing too quickly for their means. You know, we've spoken about that before, the fire burning too quickly and, and burning out too fast. Whether it's been dodgy owners ripping the rug out from underneath them and, and taking all their money away, or whether it's been something that they've not actually been able to financially recover from. Um, There's been a, a number of issues around it, but for the most part, anyway... Shiva seemed reasonably well put together up until a certain point, and they seemed like they kind of had their act together in terms of where they wanted to go and what they wanted to do, and they did get a little bit of success off that. So, Phil, why why don't you tell us a little about a little bit about that before before we let Stephen come yeah, in? Yeah, well? so so you're dead right. I mean, 2004 they were found. Uh, 2005 was the season that they they basically came into Major League Soccer, Um they didn't do. Too well in their first season. They only won one game. I think it was against uh, fellow newcomers, uh, Real Real Salt Lake. Um, so that was the only win of that kind of championship season. Um, if you like, uh, it was the next season, two thousand five. Um, that they kind of uh came to the fore really. Uh, they they signed MLS coach of the year, Bob Bradley. Bob Bradley, as we all know, um, I think he managed in the Premier League for a bit. Am I am I right in saying that, Rory? I think he might have managed. Uh... Yeah, he was. At, he w- He had a he had a Brian Clough turn at um Swansea for forty four days. That's it. Yeah, Swansea. He was at Swansea, so he managed Shivas USA in their second season. Um, and they they, they done quite well. I mean, they they won more than one game. They, they I think they, in the end they won ten games that season. Um, the end of spot in the Western Conference playoffs. Uh, he was again named MLS Coach of the Year, and um, the first time to win it twice. Um, and Jonathan Bornstein was also named uh, the Rookie Player of the Year, which would be like, um, I think that would be the equivalent of say Young Player of the Year over here. Um, yeah, the US so, like. yeah, and then what happened was then Bob Riley done so well. Like, I mean, after getting two uh, Coach of the Years, he became uh, part the interim head coach of the US men's soccer team. Um, and basically had to had to leave um his uh, post at uh. I actually just saw that as well, but you know, it might be depends if you want to consider them a forgotten club. But he actually also managed Metro Stars at one point, which is a team mm. that would become 
uh, New York Red Bulls. So he's got quite a quite a long career ahead of him. So it seems like it seems like quite a shrewd appointment for a for a team that's just only been around for what, a year or two at that point. Well, yeah, and he had all, he had also he had also been part of the uh, Chicago Fire teams in the nineties too. I mean, Bob Bradley still Bob Bradley is the um, all everything at um, Toronto FC right now, and his son um, played overseas at Aston Villa. That's Michael Bradley's father. So he was all, and he got screwed over with the U.S. national team. Thank that crazy German. Klinsman, yeah, Klinsman's not thought of very highly around here, even though he lived in even though he lived in L.A. since the '90s, and actually still does. I, th- I think he, I think he's okay, but that's a uh, European perspective versus the the American perspective. So, um, you know, it's, it's it's just one of those things. But I know he's. Uh, I think his reputation is maybe starting over here is maybe starting to decline a little bit, depending on who you speak to, obviously, just because of um what's happened recently. But I mean, obviously in, in, in terms of Shiva, they had this little bit of early success. Um they did win a trophy as well. Phil, do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, uh DMLS is um as as Stephen has said, it's never really dominated by uh by by one team. So every every club kind of has an honor to their name. Uh, Shivas USA uh did win the MLS Western Conference back in two thousand and seven. Uh, so that would have been only two two years into into their, um into their kind of uh livelihood uh, livelihoods their lives I suppose as a club. Uh, so they won the, it's basically known as the regular season. Um, it's kind of their their group. Would that be fair to say, Stephen? Because it's the the MLS uh, kind of works on a different kind of uh, format than say we'd be used to over here in Europe. Well, think of it th- think of it this way: Western and Eastern Conference would be like the Premier League and the Championship. That's it's the same thing, but it's on the same it's on the same level because there aren't um there aren't levels here. There is somewhat of one and if you looked at the pyramid of the united states you guys being overseas would just shake your heads and walk away trust me because i've coached i've coached him i've coached in um done pr in all levels it's ugh. but yeah, um that's one of the things because I, I read about detroit city fc and a book that was also out by pitch publishing called the the roaring red front and they in that book they discussed the fan culture around Detroit City AFC and how it's quite community focused, not necessarily fan owned, I think, could be wrong, but how it has a, a large focus in the community. And they basically said if Detroit continue being successful and then wanted to go to the MLS, they would lose all of that because they would have to sell themselves yeah. the franchise. So uh, obviously the, the, the pyramid system that isn't really a pyramid system is is quite convoluted in, in that side of things, but um yeah, like my local team, FC Buffalo, has been around for almost 12 years and they're the third team to be in here and they just moved up to the next level up which is basically pro and that that took them a lot out of there but having the western western and even conference that's because we have playoffs because god forbid we do a single table and let you guys let it do it the right way i mean that's what that's why i only play mls and um football manager because it has at least it has at least the international system in it. Yeah, got it. I mean, it's it's one thing that, that 
I suppose I've always found a bit a bit strange and just how it is. I always actually just put it down to how the league was run. But again, we'll, we can maybe talk about that in a little bit later on. Yeah. In terms of Shiva, though, they, they, they had this little bit of success. They won, uh, they, they, they won the Western Conference and they also managed to make it to the semi-final of the MLS Cup in 2007 as well, losing out to Kansas City Wizards. So they, they had a little bit of a cup run. Um, they played in the Superliga, which was a competition played between uh, teams from the US and teams from Mexico. Um, so they, they actually had quite a bit of fun. It sounds like it, it seems like it was maybe, you know, for the reasons we've discussed, hindsight's a great thing, obviously. Um, it wouldn't have been so, but for the, the early years, the first wee while, it seems like they would have been quite, quite good to follow or quite good to watch at the very least. Yeah, I mean there there was the there was that, but you also got to remember at that you also got to remember at the same point that 2008, 2008 is about the time Beckham starts coming over. So, and and the the games weren't really put on that well. ESPN would throw them on around bowling and pinochle and competitive log throwing. I wish I was joking on that one. Um, so you would have to section it around here. Um, they did well enough. I mean, some of the lower, some of those teams in that era were doing decently, but you got to remember there were not that many teams at that point. Yeah, I mean, just, just looking at, at at their attendances, I mean, from 2010, their attendances were an, on average uh, for the season when they were kind of at their peak, when uh, the North American Super League, they, they got to the semi-final of the US Cup, was around just 14,500. Um, then after that, it kind of just started dwindling. And when it was 14,500 after that, uh, 13. Then in 2013, it, it went to 8,000. So there was a bit of a dramatic fall off uh, after 2012 season, 2013. Then their final season was just over 7,000. Um, I mean, we talk about kind of big names and stuff like that. The only kind of big name uh, that, that kind of stood out to me was Shivas USA when I was looking through all the players was a player that played for Aston Villa. Um, Rory, do you know who it is? I'm going to put you on the spot like I do every episode. Uh, was he mentioned in the book? He, he wasn't, no. I actually... I ah, okay. I, I don't know then. That's my get-out-of-jail-free card. Okay, so a player called... Uh, do you know, actually, Stephen, I'll let you have a little guess. He used to play... Yeah, it's Juan Pablo, it's Juan Pablo and Hill. Right, spot on. Stephen knew straight away already. How did you not know that? Yeah, oh yeah. How did I not know that? Don't, don't follow American football. How did I not know that, Phil? Away you go. Big, 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 big player for Aston Villa was in the Premier League. Um, yeah, he played for them in 2012... Uh, he was actually their top goal scorer then. Um, I think he played for him probably longer than that. Um, let me just check. But uh, I always remember him in the Premier League playing for Villa. He was quite uh, an eccentric uh, kind of uh, player. He played eight years for Villa. Um, he then went over. He actually played for New York Red Bulls, LA Galaxy, then went to Shivas USA, um, and then went back to Colombia. But um, so I suppose they they, they tried to to get him. But as you as you said, Stephen. He was probably he was probably uh past his prime at that time. Um although he scored the five goals and was a top goal scorer. But just looking at them attendances, Stephen, was there any real like in my research, the attendances were just uh, from my point of view, were just because Shivas were basically not doing well. Is is that the reason why attendances fell? You've got to remember the Carson the Carson Stadium is no bigger than Kentworth Road. Okay. 
So when you're saying a dip from 14 to seven, that's the same thing as what Luton does. So you're not, you're not over here outside of the big teams, like maybe um, Seattle, Atlanta, um, New York and DC going to have a big stadium. I mean, New York city, uh, not New York CFC. I hate that name. Um, New York Red Bull have a massive stadium. They have, if they actually started bringing in top talent, they could fill that thing. That that's a slight. It's on the same same wavelength of probably Birmingham City, or maybe Hibernian sit Hibernian's um stadium. So I mean, you're not going to get anything big there, and they had to switch on and off with LA Galaxy. So I'd be a See, whatever LA Galaxy had would probably be the total what that is. But at the same point, if you're not putting out anything good for Chivas, why are you going to go? Why are you going to? Why are you going to get on the buses? Why are you going to go through Carson, spend the almost ten, eleven dollars for a beer to just see nothing? And keep in mind, here in the states, we can bring our food to our to our um. See, you guys can't, which is anno- which is annoying as hell when I see that. No, wait, we can bring our we can bring our food to our seat. I certainly can. Or do, do you mean like you can bring foods into the actual stadium from outside? No, aren't you guys aren't, aren't you guys not able to bring like your beer and stuff to the, your seat? Yeah, yeah so, beer you're not. No, beer, beer you're not. not. So in, in Scotland, uh, alcohol is completely banned from stadiums. They're actually they've actually just started phasing back in. Uh, so Celtic have trialed but where they have some beers for sale for like two hours before kickoff um, yeah. in a concourse as long as it's not in um, in view of the pitch. And I think that's the blanket law in England as well. So you can sell beer in, at stadiums in England as long as it's not in view of the pitch. But that's just in the English Football League. And I f- don't think it's in the National League or the Conference, but I could be wrong. But in Scotland, up until very, very recently, and I mean recently being the last couple of months, you have not been allowed alcohol in the stadium whatsoever. Yeah. Or, because you guys are all coming in tanked anyway. Yeah. Or Ireland is the same. You're not allowed at a, a League of Ireland game uh, bring in alcohol. Um it's it's just it's just one of those things. It, it's kind of weird because rugby you're allowed, uh, but soccer you're not. And it's a it's a bit of a contentious issue. Sometimes I mean it's not a big deal as you said, Stephen they they get tanked in anyway, so oh. it, it it doesn't really matter. But uh, it is it is one of those things where where people are, uh, um, yeah, it does come up. Honestly, don't, um, don't get me started on the, the the rugby football debate because I won't stop. That could, that could be a separate podcast series in itself, to be honest. Yeah. Um. So obviously, Shiva, are, all, all these things are happening. You know, they're 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 doing okay in the park. They've got some players being nominated for player of the year. The, the, the manager, they've got a good manager and, and you know, things are going okay. And then all of a sudden it starts slowing down and not just slowing down, the breaks kind of come to a complete halt. So they lose a couple of players. Vergara becomes sole owner of the club. He buys out his partners. Um, they start going through coaches at, a, at an alarming rate. Um. And that mirrors what was going on at Sede Guadalajara as well at the same time. So Vergara is becoming a bit of a, a an authoritarian owner, if you like, um, a bit of a dictator, and he's 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 just going nuts with it. And then all of a sudden, 
the MLS buy Shiva from Vergara and they can't find a buyer from them. Guys, that, that that's to, to go from, you know, just kind of founding and then doing okay for four years, four or five years, to this happening. Seems like quite a change. What happened? Well, part of it was because at that that point there was a there was a real there was a real movement to get troublesome owners out of the leagues. I and mean, that's about the same time the LA Clippers owner was taken out, which was rightfully so. Donald Sterling was a real prick for 25 years. So, I mean, Vergara, they, they, they purposely went in there. There's more to that than they can be really said on, uh, on a pod. Cause you could, you could, and I'm sure you guys could talk about it even further, but they, Nelson Rodriguez went in there to um, help stabilize everything. And he, he ironically went into Chicago fire about five years ago and tried to pull the same thing there. Um, and they wanted to get a good enough owner in there to actually put some money into it. And they just, ne- they couldn't at that time because I mean, that's 2014 we're just getting over the economic meltdown over here. So, I mean, nobody wanted to really buy too much. And you didn't have the explosion of money. Now, the um, franchise fee is something like $300 billion. It's something obscene now to get to get into the – get in. I mean, then – I mean, Beckham's – entrance fee was because it was his contract from when he brought him over here, something like 3.9 million. It's now something obscene. Because like St. Louis FC had a St. Louis City FC, sorry. I know followed way too many school. Too many there was something big. So they wanted to pump the money in, but they couldn't find anybody. And they they tried to run Beckham over there to do it but his spice wife wanted Miami because of his her fashion which I don't blame her I don't like the state of Florida whatsoever it's all sports related but I'm I have a lot of irrational hatreds in the, in sports you don't want to know what I say about the other team in Glasgow being a Celtic fan as I am yeah, no, yeah, we try to keep away from that even with uh, Rory there. We 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 try not mention uh you got a team there, but uh, I'm, not allowed to, I'm not allowed to mention the other team. Um That's smart. I'm not allowed to say the R word. I don't even acknowledge that I haven't acknowledged I've acknowledged them three times in twelve years on my pod. I had <laughs> a other team fan on my pod for ten years. Fantastic. I love, I love everything about that, and I absolutely love your your passion for for football and your knowledge about the MLS. Stephen is just second to none. But the thing is, you can tell is it's not just reading from a script or reading just from Wikipedia or something like that. You've lived it and you've experienced it, and you know it, and you have your own opinions on it, and you can really tell that it's it's, it's genuinely it's, it's it's fantastic, and it's, it's everything you've said tonight. It's been all. It's been spot on. You know, there's a couple of things that we could maybe debate about, but that's just me yeah. being nitpicky. It's been genuinely fantastic, and obviously, what ended up happening with Shiva, it, it's happened to so many clubs as well. But the thing is, with I think there's still a bit of an exoticism around the MLS and how the MLS works over here. 
and that's maybe what attracts people to look at the stories from it. But was it just a case that they were trying to get rid of problematic owners and then they just they, they got rid of them, they bought the club and they couldn't find the buyer? But was it were, were there other things going on in the background as well? I know Vergara was at fault for the amount of coaches that were going through, but surely that must have led to a decline in the amount of people going to see them. Oh, of course. I mean, you. I mean, you see. You see that. I mean, we saw that with with Sun uh, Southampton this year when you would keep running t- teams through and you you transfer out players, people will stop showing up. Now it's a little bit different for you guys over there than it is for us because w- usually when MLS is going on, we've got baseball going on or hockey going on. So there's other things for us to get going, get watching. And to be honest, in LA, do you want to be sitting inside? Or out on a beach, out in uh, out in um, Laguna, or out in Laurel Canyon. I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, I live in Buffalo, New York, and I'm out walking around all that most of the time. So, and I'm not not trying to knock anything about my city at this point. Yeah. Plus, if we were supposed to do this on scripts, I would have been I would have been better over the last twelve years. Yeah, now no, look, uh, I, I echo the sentiment there from Rory. Like everything you're saying is is absolutely brilliant, Stephen. Um, I mean, Chivas USA, as I said, were were a club that I picked out because because they are the last club uh, from the MLS to kind of uh, become a forgotten football club. Um, but they certainly aren't forgotten. Um, I suppose uh, uh, just away from that, uh, in more positive news, Stephen. Uh, the next World Cup is going to be played over uh, over in the USA. Uh, obviously, Canada, Mexico are also in that joint bid. Uh, what's the feeling over there? Uh, is there is there a, a kind of excitement towards it? Uh, is is there a big build up? Is is there more people getting involved in soccer? Is there more people uh, going to games? Uh, what, what's it like over there? It's a it, it's a massive help. I mean, fortunately, this time when America got the sport, we actually have more than just a thought. Of this, I mean, I uh, sitting. I mean, I'm I'm wearing a jersey of a team in an in a um amateur division in Rhode Island. Now I know the owner, so that's what I'm. I've got three others from other jersey, other stuff here. So I mean, people are looking forward to it. I mean, they're putting them in pretty big cities that already have have stadiums so you don't have to build anything i mean there are a couple of them you're going to have to do some stuff to i mean that that's just that's just what it is but it, it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun here in the states now they're gonna price gouge us out the wise because that's just what that's just what fifa does to everything they come in take all the money and then proclaim that they need more money but that's that's just um, it's going to be fun. There's going to be a lot, and there's going to be a lot coming up. And I have a feel. I have a feeling we will see a pretty good World Cup in 2026. I'm excited for it. So, um, me and my friends have discussed this. Our plan, because we're all going to be turning 30 around the same time, is actually to go over um, to America and watch as many World Cup games as we possibly can. So we're all saving up our pennies for it. We've got our piggy banks all. Um, getting filled up every weekend when we've got our pocket money and, and our plan is to go over and, and actually watch that so fingers crossed Scotland actually managed to make it but um, I'm never hopeful <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's what a lot it's funny um, my dad went over to Scotland about four years ago and he decided that um, he wanted to get me a Scot- Scottish jersey which is fine so he's like well tell me the history of it I'm like well um <laughs> 
let's just say they're the Cleveland Browns of um of the sport. They were really good in like the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and then just the FA got in front of itself and took in all the money for themselves and decided not to update the sport. I have a lot of issues with the Scottish FA. Trust me, so do I. It's, it has a history of being a mess, and it's not really changed. So, nope. I mean, I don't. I, I I don't understand how you guys get away with the ticket allotments with with those stamps. Oh, we can only give that so much over. Why? Is this with the, is this a recent um, old firm allocation debate? I li- I I'm good. For- I I listened to Paul John Dykes with um a Celtic State of Mind, and he's been ranting on that for God years. Yeah, Ascom Ascom is a very very good uh, Celtic podcast. As is yeah. for uh four times in a podcast is the name of it. Um, good friend of mine runs it as well. Um, but yeah, I mean the SFA is a mess. Um, True. the MLS sounds like a bit of a mess. Phil, how how are your lads doing? The the FAIMS. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we're we're broke, yeah. So, um, yeah, we're we're hoping to get over the USA. The last time we were over there, I think the Irish uh, took over, um, like they always do. I mean, I was only it was USA ninety four, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we um, yeah, we 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 uh, enjoyed that one. I was only four years old, so I don't remember it. But I can tell you, anybody older than myself, like my dad, my mom, and all, told me that it was one of the one of the better World Cups. Um, but anytime Ireland are in a World Cup, it's a good World Cup. So, um, just just on that, Stephen, um, if we go back to we we get away from the World Cup for just a minute and the MLS, the MLS is growing. Uh, there's new clubs joining every year. Uh, I mean, St. Louis are there. Charlotte have just joined, I think. Um, there's there's I, I've been looking at it. Uh, clubs from Nevada, Las Vegas, all that kind of stuff are going to join. What's the limit to it? I mean, at the moment, I think there's 29 clubs. I think they're going to expand to 32, I think, soon enough. What's the limit? Is there going to be 40 clubs? Like, when do they turn around and say, right, we're going to we're gonna have tears, we're going to have promotion relegation? Are they ever going to do that? <laughs> oh, do not Google that online. Do not Google MLS and pro, pro, promotion and relegation. You'll have even worse of a drinking habit, trust me, because I've got one because of it. Um. As if the money dries up, that's when that's what will happen. Okay. That's when it will stop. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, that's the only reason why they brought in um, the Cascadia teams, the old NASL teams. I mean, is to get the money. That's it. That's why San, that's why San Diego's being um, unveiled today for the thirtieth team. Now, where does do they bring in Vegas and Phoenix? Does the Sacramento Republic get off their backsides and actually come back in? Come back in. I mean, do we get do we get um, Aberdeen of of South Dakota FC United Albion? I mean, I, who knows at this point? At the, I mean, Don Garber has said within the next five years he's going to retire. I know he's not a, I know he's not a healthy man. He's got some some stuff with him. It just depends on what they want to do. I hope they stop at 30, but considering the fact that um, Major League Baseball is going to add another team, um, NHL is going to add more teams, I'm pretty sure the NFL is going to do it. You never... (laughs) Excuse me. You never know. 
I suppose you, you don't want to, to end up turning into a situation like um you have in Argentina with the AFA where they're constant they're adding new teams or sorry, they're expanding the top tier some seasons and then the next season they'll cut it down again and then they'll expand it even more the next season. And their promotion oh well, not their promotion, the relegation system's obviously based on the team's average position or average points over three seasons or something like that. It's very, very complicated as well. And their fans are absolutely furious with it just because of the constant changes. So I suppose there's a risk that, that something like that might happen. But the, I suppose... AFA, the, AFA makes, the, the AFA makes the Scottish FA normal. It does. It really, really does. It's yeah. crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, and obviously, I suppose, if we're, if we're since we've mentioned the SFA... There has been talk and there's a vote being put out to clubs recently about the SFA introducing a new conference league, uh, which would sit between the Highland Lowland League, which is tier five, and the junior tiers, if you like, which are tier six. Uh, I personally think it's a terrible idea. All you're doing is allowing other teams from uh, the junior league, Highland League and Lowland League to come into that tier to try and contest it. Sorry, my apologies. It would sit between League Two and the Highland Lowland League, so it, it would become Tier 5. Um, so you're, ju- you're just allowing certain teams to go up into it. There would be no change. There would be no. There's no other teams being added. There's no one being allowed to go up. You're basically just relegating several tiers worth of teams who have worked hard to get up this new pyramid system that's been brought in. And I was a fan of the new pyramid system. I think it was a good idea, just executed very, very poorly. And I think it's safe to say the Conference League shoehorning that in to the current pyramid just so that you can add some B teams into it is an absolutely horrendous idea. And don't get me started on the B teams either because I think it's absolutely terrible. Oh, can they but, can they relegate Rangers again just for the hell of it? For Phil's sanity, I'm not going to comment. I'll message you yeah. my response privately, but... Yeah. Not allowed. He's the same. You're not allowed to mention that club. Uh, no, no, you're all right. Uh, look, here, can you can you give us a loan of a few clubs here in Ireland? Because we've only got the 20, and, uh, I mean, we've only got a two-tier system. They're talking about bringing in a third tier here in Ireland. They've been talking about that for the last 20 years. It's one of those things that just comes up now and then, like the All-Ireland League here. It's never going to happen. Uh, there's not. There's too many egos involved, too much uh, money or lack of money uh, involved here in Ireland. Um, but it's, it's, it's just interesting the way the MLS is going. Uh, they seem to just keep adding, 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 and no team seems to be dropping out. Uh, as you said, Stephen, I think it is just down to the fact that too much money is involved. And until that money dries up, I don't think we're going to see anybody dropping out because they all seem to be quite rich. They all seem to have their, their house in order, what we know of. Now, there could be some certain things in the back back room there that we don't know of, um, but if we if we get an inkling of it, we will be the first people to jump on it. And yeah, I'm sure you'll be one of the first people to let us know as well. But uh, Stephen, it's been great having you on. Uh, absolutely a pleasure. Uh, we've learned so much about the MLS. Uh, it's quite clear that, uh, you know, you know your stuff. Um, Rory? Yeah, no, it's, it's it's been absolutely fantastic. I and mean, I just wanted to say at the end as well, Phil, if you if you would like any more teams and you know Celtic are always available, we can always come back. But of course, you know, our Celtic <laughs> Irish team, yes or no, who knows? Of course they are. Anyway, <laughs> we're gonna wrap up there. Stephen, thank you so much for coming on. It's been fantastic. As Phil said, we've managed to touch on a lot. Um, and as we said earlier on, your knowledge of the game and your passion for it is is absolutely incredible, and and we really appreciate your time coming on to to talk to us. We'd have you back on any other time we want to discuss MLS, um, football in America or just football anywhere else. It's been an absolute pleasure. 
Just before we go, just to our listeners, once again, thank you very much for tuning in. If you've made it this far, we've been recording for just over an hour, I think. So well done. <laughs> you've heard us flapping our gums once again about another team from the book, but it's been a great episode. It's been fantastic hearing from Stephen and Phil. And you can check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and soon we're going to be getting our WordPress back up and running. So keep an eye out for that. Just before we go, Stephen, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about your podcast? Yeah, well, it started out about 12 years ago as a, a weekly pod, um, the sub bench talking everything um, U.S. soccer and the world. And then um, when COVID hit, I just went to once a month. It's Duffy, Duffy Alverson and I, we just sit and just, well, I usually get completely pissed drunk by about mid midway through it. And we forget, we end up forgetting halfway through with most of the stuff. And we end up talking college football, old territory wrestling and all of that. Um, it's more of a, it's more of a PR for me to um, highlight the books that are my books that are coming out. I've got a um, book on Flamingo coming out in two months and, and a um, book on Crystal Palace at the start of next year coming out. So, other than that, I mean, I'm on I'm on I'm on um, Twitter selectively now. I will always tend to respond. You guys, you guys will probably link me to it because I don't even remember it what my uh, all my stuff is. But I also do a, I also do a word I also do a um, Substack um, South South American Football Chronicles about the hit about nostalgia and fo- nostalgia in South America. So. I mean, I mean, you, you've got you've got lots going on there, and lots of content for our listeners, your listeners, anyone else to to go and check out as well. So, everyone, please go and have a look at that because Stephen has done some fantastic work in bringing all that to you guys. But that'll be us for this week, Phil. Say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Stephen, say good night. Good night. And we'll see you all again next week. Goodbye. <laughs>